This is So Far So Rare, a podcast about all things so rare. This week, I spoke to John, aka Predictology, who recently sold his entire gallery to Pavel and rebuilt with the proceeds. Uh, so we talked about that, the strategy behind it. We discussed the uh, Circle Bruges beer shot game being called off debacle. We discussed the new scaling solution being live. We took a bunch of your questions and yeah, had a bit of a laugh. So I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. So, John, aka Predictology, how are you today? Very well, and uh, delighted to be here, John. No, no, thank you, thank you so much for being here. I'll give you a very quick introduction, and you can maybe elaborate on a bit for our listeners, and then we'll get into all the. There's a million things we want to talk about this week, um, but you've been the manager of Predictology COFC since the 9th of April, 2021. Um, yeah, how's that went for you? That's only what three months on the platform or so. Yeah, well, it is. I think in about ten days will be four months. But uh, I don't know about you, but the, uh, the, the in the Surrey universe, time seems to work at a very different pace. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Those four months could easily be four years. It's been a been quite a ride, but very enjoyable, and lots happened in that time. Yeah, and and I think that's how we ended up talking because you were listening to the podcast. And one of the things I asked everyone to do on the podcast, I don't know, maybe three, four weeks ago, was go and send Pavel a message and say, Pavel, go on John's podcast, go on John's podcast. And you did it. And then Pavel <laughs> did what Pavel does. Big man Pavel does what he wants. He came and he bought your gallery. <laughs> <laughs> he certainly did. It was uh, quite a... a uh, just yeah out of the blue really and i, I just it, it made me laugh because i'm on that podcast you'd said look don't say yeah yeah i'll do that he said you said go and effing actually do it and i was like you know what i will i'll go and uh, send the guy a message i had i'd messaged him a couple of months ago so he was in my chat box and yeah i literally just said get on john's podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i think like i think it worked that week because that week i got a message saying like hey like i just watched your latest video or latest i listened to your latest thing or something good job mm -hmm. And he follows me on so rare. I did kind of ask him about that, but no, big man Pavel, if you're listening, you need to come on and everyone go and badger him and he might buy our gallery. But we're going to talk a bit about that because it's funny, like, and everyone on so rare can relate to this. You sold your gallery and you kind of contact me. We're like, look, if you fancy doing some sort of content around this, it'd be great. And I was like, yeah, yeah, let's have a call in four days' time or something. <laughs> and I, my kind of initial thought was it'll be like a YouTube thumbnail being like rebuilding with 10K or whatever. I don't know how much money it was. Mm. But um, basically, by that time came around, you'd pretty much spunked your load you'd spend <laughs> you'd spent everything um you know it's like kid in a candy shop isn't it like it, you just can't keep that cash oh, no it is and I, but i think and, you know and I, and I thought the idea was great you know i can do this over a few weeks but it's it was one of those ones that you know once once you committed to that idea and, and you know it's you thought i'd thought about you know what it would be like to start afresh or how would you really approach it coming onto the platform so i had a i had a pretty good idea of the types of players I wanted, what the markets that I was going to look at. You know, I'd been spending days upon days in Sarah data, so I kind of had this sort of transfer shortlist, as it were, already in mind. Mm. And, you know, I think that I've been quite lucky in this last month that it's, it's been quite an optimal time to be in the market, I believe. You know, a lot of the U.S. players have sort of, the prices have been dropping down to quite affordable levels. Things like the Gold Cup and the Olympics, you know, um, uh, 
I picked up a, a Tani for um, I forget what the ETH was, but it was about seven hundred euros, and I've never seen him below a thousand ever. Mm. So I was just kind of like, well, you know, it's building a hole in my pocket, but equally, I think now is the time to sort of uh, take advantage of the market a little bit. Yeah. So I was just looking at Pavel there. Why was I looking at Pavel? What what I was going to look at, I mean, he has like this set of rules and he has, I think it's 60% is his number, isn't it? Did you, yeah, it like, used was to be that, 50. Yeah. It used to be 50. Now it's 60. Mm. I believe so, yeah. Um, like, I, like I think about a month into the game, I first contacted him because I'd heard he, he was, I saw someone describe it today as the um, amount of money I need to eat tonight, press the power button. Sort of that's when that's when you go to gallery. But I think when I contacted him about that monthly, and he came back with the fifty percent, and I was just like, "F that for a game of soldiers, I'll just yeah carry on." Um, but yeah, he after I'd sent him that message, there was no yeah, I'll look at the podcast or no in, no intro or hey John, how are you? It was just like still want to sell you gallery. <laughs> this is like three months after I'd spoke to him. Um, yeah, yeah, I think he was at about sixty percent start it was the starting point for when he started negotiating with me. But uh, played a bit of hardball with him. Um, I think we both walked away with a, a deal that worked for both of us by the end of it. Well, you see, one of the questions we were asked this week, and it was a very just sort of short question, um, and I'm going to just reference it quickly, was so rare ML saying, my question is why sell at 80% so rare data price? And I don't know if you got the 80% or what, but it's it's that... Like, why would you take the hit? And what people need to realize is liquidity is everything. I think was it, um, oh, was it two Bob Squirt jumped in and sort of answered that liquidity? Do you know having that cash balance? And a lot of us at the start when we first sent up, you buy a lot of shite. Like I've mm. used Pavel and I've definitely given him equity because I'm getting rid of a bunch of cards that I I'm not patient enough to hold and wait for mm. the right price. But Pavel will leave it there with his five thousand other cards and wait. Um, and what you get in return is a bunch of solid players that you're willing to play with, you're able to play with now, or you're you're betting that will increase in value in the short term. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, I completely yeah, understand why you did it, but it must have been a tough decision. Yeah, and it was. I mean, firstly, I think you're abs- you're absolutely right. The, the, the re- some of the reasons for selling is like it's definitely liquidity. Just because so rare data says your um, portfolio, your club is worth X at this point. It's actually only worth X if you can cash out at that exact moment and convert that money back. Otherwise, it's just a theoretical valuation because if the market's not there or you can't sell it, it's, it's not the price, right? Mm. Um, you know, and look, it wasn't something I instigated with Powell, and I think that's why it, or Pavel, that's why it, it probably worked for both of us because, you know, I, I, like you said, made all the usual mistakes. You know, I think my experience with anything fantasy football related was. Um, the Premier League Fantasy League emptying a team in August, giving it by September, and mm. repeat that for several years, and probably haven't played it at all. And I, I came in <laughs> here as a, um, you know, a sports trader, thinking I knew a lot about football, and it was, you know, I come in right at the beginning of the boom, right? So it's MLS is about to start, Asia has started, and you know, every you know, buy a player and his value's gone up twenty percent the next day, and so forth. And you, you kind of get caught up in that that FOMO, and you want to enter mm. a game week straight away. You don't want to do the training teams. So you kind of build up this team and it's kind of, you've got some really good players in there. You've got some that have dropped by 50% or more in value. And you're kind of like, what did I do in terms of buying yeah. this player? You know, you drop 500 quid on a starting goalkeeper and he's dropped in two weeks later. Um, but like you say, you, you can hold on and, and wait it out. And, and I was in the mindset of the long haul, you know, I'd slowly change the profile of my squad. I'd, you know, the week before I sold to, uh, Pavel, I finished seventh in D2 in America. So, you know, it's starting to pick up prizes. But having the opportunity 
to um, start afresh, get back a, a significant part of what I had been invested in and just take a very different approach, which we'll probably come on to later. Um, it, you know, it was an attractive thing, but I, at the same time, I wasn't desperate to sell. So, you know, I, oh, I think it came in with, with an offer that was probably about 50, 55% to start with. And then I was kind of like, no, this is, this is my minimum price. And um, it was funny, actually, I, he probably thought I was um, negotiating hard with him, but I was like, right, I've just got to pop out and get my daughter. And he's like, wait, 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 uh, I, I probably, could, probably can do a better price. I mean, he went up like about 0.3 ETH, but I was yeah. kind of like, you've just sort of shown a weakness there. So I kind of like knew yeah. I could just keep sort of turning it down. And, and, and twice I said, look, thanks for the offer, I'll, I'll, I'll walk. And eventually he got to within a couple of 0.1, 0 0.2 ETH of what I wanted. And we went for it, but I just felt that by cashing in, even though I was probably giving away a little bit of the profit, I felt if I did things differently and did things right, anything I lost in that deal, I would make up far quicker um, by taking mm -hmm. a different approach to the, to the whole platform. You know, I think looking at just looking at Sora data now, you know, in, in the three weeks since I bought my portfolio, it's it's up about twenty six percent. Again, a thing with the caveat of it's only up that much if I actually cash it in tomorrow. But, you know, I think the approach I've got now is is one I'm much more comfortable with. It's, um, you know, I don't look at this. There's not a single player in, in my squad right now that I look at and think, why did I buy him? What's he mm. doing there? They've all got a purpose, whether it's long-term or short-term. You know, and I just feel really happy looking at my team and picking my game weeks now. Well, that's the thing as well. It's the, the happiness, you know, having what you want to have is... It's huge. Like I, I love having really solid under twenty threes, and what at times that mightn't be the most optimal thing. I love looking at my gallery, and I love being like, "Oh, that's his rookie. If he has a world of a career, I'm on on the fun for a winner." And I, I love that. That's what I like. So that's what I do. Whereas there's other people who get a lot of satisfaction in having a thirty six year old who scores hundreds every other week, you know, and that's mm -hmm. fine as well. Not that there's many of them. Uh, maybe only one, but <laughs> he's not even on the platform. But. <laughs> I think there's there's two things that like we'll we'll keep this discussion going about about your your selling to Pavel and, and rebuilding because I think it's interesting and then we'll get into all the kind of current topics. Um, sure. One thing, look, and again, I, I should have asked you this before we even started recording, but if you want to drop the figures, do if you want to keep that anonymous, don't because I know you you sold it and I know you cashed some out, which is very responsible, and then you kept some in. If you want to drop figures, do, but there's no pressure. And then I want to ask you about your approach kind of going into it. Like whenever you have that bank balance relative to, I suppose, what you've had in your balance before, it's probably like a war chest to you. What was mm. the strategy and what was the decision making behind that? Yeah, look, I mean, um, yeah, I'm not too, I don't see there's any too much um, secrecy required against what the, the prices were, I'm pretty sure, through so People can go and look, I'd say. <laughs> exactly right. So, you know, I think when I was, when, when, when we were, I having the conversation with Powell. It was around about twelve and a half to thirteenth ETH was what Sarah Data was saying. Um, mm. He came in originally at eight or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I had in mind, and I was already prepared for the conversation with him. In that I knew how he operated, and I was like, "Look, <clears throat> I'm not going below ten. You know, for me, dropping two or three ETH off the overall for the for the for the." the positive upside that we discussed that was that felt like the the haircut i was willing to take yeah. um and look you know in, in some ways i was also willing to take a little bit of a hit in the where that came from was my crypto ethereum investments from 2017 you know i'd bought a few early on had the great rise had the great fall almost forgotten about them for the next three or four years so 
it was kind of like I lost a bit, but didn't really lose a bit. If that if that makes I sense. I get you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've completely lost my trade. But yeah, so then then and and I got a little bit lucky with it. So I think it was the seventh of July when when the deal got completed. Um, I decided I was gonna leave half in and take half straight out. Um, it was there to, there to go back into the platform if I wanted it, but I just wanted to see where I went with that initial sort of half amount. And quite fortunately, yeah. you know, I got into uh, Coinbase, converted to ETH, and I think it was just under 1,800 sterling and a coin at that point. And the next day, it started to go down and down and down to about yeah, yeah. 13, 1,400. So when it got down to that 1,400, um, and it, I decided that that was a good time to buy some some more ETH, so I've kind of put it back in. So I think all in all, I, I sold it for 10 ETH. I'd done a couple of sales earlier in the day, which got me closer to 11 ETH as, as my sale price. Plus, I probably made another ETH just in trading that coin in this month. So all in all, I'm probably walking away not too dissimilar to what I think the value was it yeah. was. But I'm probably going to come on to this later, but I felt like the, the scale, with the scaling solution coming closer and the, and the new rare, uh, scarcity type, I really wanted to get um, some super rares while I was at it. So the second half of those funds has kind of gone in to that. Um, mm. And things like the, the, the Cositani that I mentioned earlier that I had no intention of buying. But when I saw the price, it was just too good to pass up, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, so no, I hear uh, you. But, <clears throat> yeah. Sorry, we have a very small delay. But the I was just going to say, like, I'm looking at your gallery there and there are a lot of super rares. Which is class. You've got mm. a couple in the last few days. Like in the last week, you've picked up, geez, nearly what? Eight of them? Or yeah, I've got 16. In, yeah, I've got 16 in total. And it was mostly, you know, there was just some, and I think this is one of the questions from a user. Maybe we can talk about Super Res in more detail in a moment. But, you know, they're, they're really challenging to get, but there are good deals if you're patient or can, and, and, or do a bit of legwork. You know, I think uh, like, Robbie Robinson, I picked up. I knew he was coming back from into Miami. You know, he was um, rated more highly than 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 Dyke. I think it's Dyke, is it the one that played at Barnsley? And they're talking about a ten million move to mm. to Europe. But his career was stalled a little bit. But uh, he was coming back from injury, and he's he was he was going for something like zero point three ETH or something. He's already yeah. won me two cards since I got him. So. Like that's mad, yeah. Uh, tell yeah. me this. So, like, you, you've obviously in the latter part of this sort of you said it in the seventh, the sale went through. So that's twenty days. In the last mm. week, you've went heavy mm. on super airs, and you maybe got a few before that. If we go back mm. to twenty twenty days ago in your head, mm. you obviously I don't know if you talked to anyone or what your sort of thought process was. But what was the strategy in a nutshell? Do you know what was the like optimal strategy for you? Yeah, definitely. Look, I think it's it's a combination. Look, I, I think uh, you know I've been an avid watcher and listener of, of your shows, Quinny and the and the two hundreds over Road Away. And I think you guys all have different approaches, but very similar philosophies. You know, in terms of how you, how you play the game, and you know, there's a lot to learn. I'm trying to just take a bit of learning from from each of those. Um, but it was something that that Perez said on your podcast a couple of weeks back, which really cemented my decision in this regard. And that was to focus primarily on youth and under 23 because you know my experiences of buying a you know a solid uh mid-20s player and seeing his price drop through its arse i kind of wanted if you, if you go in a, i kind of get in my head create a matrix of a player an ideal player is sort of between 16 and 23 i don't really want to pay above 0.1 unless it's, there's a good reason for it that way i feel like i'm covering my downside that it can only mm. be the seat the, the floor is not so far away but the ceiling is 
couldn't be as high as as you want it to be, right? Mm. So I figured if I so I've kind of gone, I've tried to think of it as almost like a, if I was building a football team, and I want a, a strong core youth with bags of potential. I've allowed myself a couple of stars to go out and get. So you know, I got a Diego Rossi, I think at his lowest price in the last few months, which I was really happy about, and then just a few sort of. Older, just solid guys that can hit 50, 60s, you know, like Jonathan Menzar or someone like that. So, um, but the majority of my squad, I think I was looking at it, my average age of my squad is 22. Um, and that's including some of those older guys. And I've not, <coughs> excuse me, um, no my average uh, purchase price for a non goalkeeper or non um, uh, super rare is, uh, I got it here somewhere. It's, well, in fact, my average squad price is 0.11 ETH. Including the super rares and, and the and the yeah, the I, like that. I, I love so. that because like I I'm kind of like when I go under twenty threes, I'm like a magpie. Um, I'm, I think because I got into this so so not so early but relatively early, I was in last September. I obviously got a lot of ETH. Um, it, like I I a lot of my players that I bought then increased massively. So like my kind of while well, I invested a decent bit of money at the start of June there. What I'm trying to say here is that there's a lot of money here that's almost house money to me. It's like I've kind of made it, do you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a lot of ETH flying about. So I'm like, oh, I want a Noah Lang. I want a mm-hmm. Adila Chish. I want that, you know, like these players that are like expensive. Trent Alexander-Arnold. I like, I'm going for these under 23s, but there is downside. Like I've got burnt with one or two, particularly like Sangari at the time. He was around an ETH. Now that was in the boom I bought him. And like, sure, Jesus, the yeah. amount of money I lost on Sangari. But mm-hmm. like the way you're doing it, if you're playing it almost like a, I'm not saying you're gambling, but like if you're playing it almost like a, like upside versus downside. If you're buying these under twenty three players, under nineteens a lot of the time for less than zero point one, the downside is so minimal, and the upside, mm-hmm. as you say, all it takes is a run of two, three, four fixtures, and you're like yeah. you're in the money, you're doubling your money, easy buns. Yeah, and you know it's an interesting point you you raise there, John, in that. The thing that I'm trying to avoid is hype. That is the worst time to. That's where I go. I'm a hype junkie. Like I'm the worst. Yeah, and I think um, you know, and I'm kicking myself now. But Ricardo Pepe is the best example of this right now, right? So I I looked at him a few weeks back after he got a couple of goals or something, and he was going at sort of three or four hundred euros. So I can't remember the ETH, but I do most of mine in in fiat currency. And I was like, oh no, it doesn't fit my profile because I think the hype has pushed him up to that level. Mm. Then I literally looked at him this Friday before the weekend and when he scored the the hat-trick, or the youngest MLS player to score a hat-trick, right? And, you know, I looked at his scores and he played, you know, after those two goals he scored, he played three games and got something like a 26 or 28. They were all, like, in the orange on so rare mm. data. And I was like, right, he's on my hit list now. Give him a couple more games where lo- there's lower scores. I think he'll come down into a range where... I'm interested to buy 0.1 to 0.15. And then boom, <laughs> gets his hat trick. And now people are p- putting him up there for one ETH and God knows what. And I'm sure there's people going in and buying that stuff. And don't get me wrong, I, uh, this guy could be bigger than Pulisic. He could be, you know, superstar like in Europe. If he, can- if he continues, and that's still a big if, obviously. Yeah. But going in and buying a player at, at that at that point, I just, even if he does go up, it's not a value play for me. It's just not, I think you've, it's it's hard when you think you've, you know you've missed the boat, but. Mm. Guarantee, right? If he has a, a leaner six months or has it goes off a off form a little bit, which is quite possible with a 16, 17, 18 year old, maybe those prices will start to come back down. You know? mm. 
I think I pumped him a few weeks ago on the podcast. One of the questions was like, there was some question about who's a good buyer, blah, 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 and I pumped mm. him. So I'm happy with that. But I got a bit lucky there. I think like the thing with like Pepe is there's a lot of hype there, and anything can happen. There's so many players we've had like this in the past that you just never know what's going to happen. But for me, I think mm. like when I bought him, I actually got him in a trade with Pavel. Mm. When I got there three go. super rares, and I more I kind of picked him more to make up value. Um, but it was his like his 2020 card his rookie card and like with a player like that the thing is like if he as you say he could be bigger than Pulisic like if he goes mm. on that this is like and this is obviously a big call and it probably won't come to fruition but the, the 1% of the time or the 1 in 100,000 times it happens mm. if he is the next guy for America 2026 World Cup five years from now he's kind of early to mid 20s and he's lighting things up and you have his rookie Do you know that could be worth as you say this guy's the limit but whenever you buy him for 0. 0.1 0. 0.2 it's different than buying him for 0. 0.4 0. 0.5 like you're just you're yeah, doubling your chances of an upside I don't think you can get him less than 0. 0.8 right now I mean it's you know but then look at it look at this way right okay uh, I'll give you a prime example Anthony Fontana from Philadelphia now he, he was uh, he made a Stunning few games in uh, MLS last season. You know, he's sort of, sort of incredibly highly. I picked him up for sixty euros, no point, not five four ETH. Now, if he, he's been injured on and off this season, but if he comes back in and starts playing like he was, there's no reason he's not on the same similar level to Pepe. Same Qatar World Cup sort of target. I mean, not the World Cup in the US. So I'd much rather take take a Fontana or a Valenzuela uh, than a Pepe that's at his peak hype at the moment. I've just sent an offer to Pavel. Just it's it's the theme of this podcast. I've sent an offer to Pavel for Anthony Fontana, and for about sixty euro. So we'll see how that goes. I imagine he'll reject reject it by the time I open so rare again. But anyway, your strategy yeah. it paid off. You were telling me this week you you placed. Uh, yeah, um, I've actually since I did the rebuild. Uh, I'm, I'm counting the last three game weeks as when I had the had, had teams that I could actually play with, um, and I placed uh, four times out of those three game weeks. And this week, yeah, I was seventh in uh, D two under twenty three uh, with a rare goalkeeper as well. Um, so uh, we went to see what we pick up for that, but it's supposed to be a tier three super rare. But I'm uh, pretty happy with that. Uh, whatever card comes out, you know the, and I think this is a, this is. This, the under 23 is for the obvious reasons we've discussed, but I think this is a good gateway for me into Europe as well, because that's one area that I haven't really focused on. I decided to go down the super rare routes over the European challenge at this point. But I, in, in the last two weeks, I've picked up a Jackson Maleka and uh, a young guy from Turkey. I can't remember his name. Um, but yeah, that, that already gets me two Challenger Europe under 23 players, which will hopefully sort of give me the backdoor entry into some competition like that. Um, but I think we're, we're close to uh, about 0.8 ETH in prizes so far. So, you know, it's all chipping away at that balance in the first, that's you know, just in three weeks. Yeah, that's unreal. And I love that kind of strategy of, because it's, there's no joke like, I mean, MLS and Asia, oh, Pavel's already said no. Uh, <laughs> MLS and Asia, like, are obviously way cheaper. I mean, there's some really competitively priced super rares over there. The rares, you can pick them up cheap as chips. But as you say, like, if you're picking them up, they're eligible in under 23s. They're eligible in the global. They're eligible, obviously, in America. They'll be eligible in the mm -hmm. special weeklies, depending on the week that's in it. Mm -hmm. And if you're picking up European cards... Like over time, you're getting those more premium cards, and you're just 
they can compete with the European cards as well as anything else and you can build a European team and then you're just increasing the leagues you're entering I think it's a lovely way to do it particularly on a budget mm-hmm. um, it just requires patience and I think the killer with that is that you know a lot of people like I struggle to really get into the MLS and I've struggled I just couldn't get into the Asian football I really did try mm-hmm. um, and even now with the MLS like I have a few cards that I like and I kind of check the fixtures but like you know whenever it shows like I don't know who's good and who's bad. Do you know what I mean? So I don't know about fixtures. Like, should I be playing him? Should I captain him? Should I not? Um, and that requires just a little bit extra kind of. I don't know. I find it. I think I like watch so much European football and follow so much of it that like following the MLS and trying to learn a whole new league is just like Jesus wept. <laughs> I think I'm lucky in that uh, the MLS and the Asian league is actually very suitable for my time zone let's say um mm. you know mls is on most games are on from like 5 a.m through to about midday for me here so it's a league i've been following and it's, it's a good one for me if it, when i do my trading and uh, in the day job uh asia just because of the proximity of i'm in asia uh, it's it's a nightmare to even for someone being here to know who's playing who these players are and i'm almost exclusively basing it all on survey data and a couple of pa- pa- uh, patron uh, accounts that I follow that help but I just like it because it's it's one of the leagues where I personally am awake when the players are playing so you just get that little bit of buzz of sort of seeing how your players actually doing rather than fooling a team and waking up in the morning and seeing how Europe did so but mm. I mean don't get me wrong I follow Europe extensively and that's 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 what I know those are the leagues I know the most because you know I'm from the UK originally um but no, it helps. It, it, it just, I just like to, for me, I want as much utility as possible. I want to be playing as many of the leagues as I can. And, you know, at the moment, the MLS, there's such value in there this month mm. with, with, you know, um, the Gold Cup on, so there's a lot of players missing. The prices are way down from where they were in April, May. Um, you know, if you're prepared to put the time in to Sered Data and a few other sort of resources, you can really build a, a you know, a solid team and have some tremendous value in that, you know. Mm. Um, there's a lot of young players there I think um, Europe's looking a lot more closely at the MLS so you know it's worth taking a, a, a gamble on a Fontana Keaton Parks you know who's already had a loan to Benfica before um, there's several other younger players you know that um, I think Muller's off to Hibernian you know is uh, um, off to Italy so you know if you pick the pick these young players and they, they perform equally well in the under 23s and you either win European players or they get transferred to Europe you know it's it's a good way in without having to compete in it was a very competitive transfer market for those players yeah absolutely the gold cups kind of shafted me I think I George Bello and Daryl Dyke and a few of them and I've been stuck for a defender the last couple of weeks but I bought I just bought a guy um maybe you know something about him and then we'll move on I just bought Austin Trusty. Uh, yeah, I haven't got him, but I think I missed, well, not missed the boat, but yeah, he's been performing pretty well recent weeks, I think. He was, uh, yeah, I think that's a very, very solid buy. Um, I think I got him for a good price as well, based on like recent sales and stuff. I just need a defender for this week, um, that's under 23, so I just, I went and looked, couldn't find any in Belgium that really made sense. So I picked yeah, him up. No. No, he's a good buy. I think this Brooks Lennon is very good. Hassel, who, oh, that what a head in hands moment for him. You know, I had him as a super rare uh, two game weeks ago, and literally out of nowhere, he got called up to the Gold Cup squad 
it was already for the, the, the tournament's already started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and he's just gone. And I, I think I finished just outside the placings in D three under twenty threes. But had I got him in there, even if he just put in a solid fifty score, I probably mm. been top ten. I was just like, oh. well, speaking <laughs> of nightmares, this week I in my challenger was it my challenger lineup. I still get a reward. Ah, the leaderboards are a bit messed up here. Mm. I still get a reward, but. Let me see, where is it? I basically built a Bruges stack and stuck Safanov in goal. So Safanov scored an 80, which is amazing. Mm. Clinton Mata with a 51, Noah Lang and Charles de Kettler both with 75 or 73 and 78. And I had Vanekin, who apparently came back the day before from holiday. And I just kind of <laughs> didn't even think about it. Like, I think one of you, that's the problem as well. When you're following so many leagues and so many teams, you're missing things. I just assumed I didn't, because he didn't play much at the Euros. I was like, ah, big hands will be back. Bruges need him. Mm. Nah. I came 41st, I've bagged a card, but if I'd have played another midfielder there who scored anything, you're talking a cracking reward. That was just a terrible oh, decision. Totally. But, but, you know, you can do the all the research in the world, but unless we're changing our teams an hour before kickoff, there's always, this, it's just part of it. You know, the game's the game, as they say, right? Exactly. The wire. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there's nothing you can... Um, you can do about it sometimes. I mean, there was no reason for Hassel to, to not play. You know, 100%. He'd been one of the best defenders in the league in the last few weeks. Gold Cup squad's already confirmed. They're already off playing the tournament. And then, boom, gone. Mm. <laughs> they called him like, a day later. He would have been all right. <laughs> exactly. I think yeah. I, I looked here and, you know, Sora Data has obviously all the things. I was like, if I'd uh, put... The natural replacement for Vanekin, had I known, the only real replacement would have been Yari Versharan. Had I put mm. Yari Versharan in, I would have podiumed. I would have came third. He, yeah, he scored, didn't he? I think. Did he score? Yeah. Um, he, with his with his bonus, I, he scored. I would have came third in the challenger. So, Ouch. like, it's kind of a killer. But anyway, I'll not cry anymore. Look, we've talked about that. We've <laughs> talked about your selling the Pavel. We've talked about the restructure. We've talked yeah. about a bit about the strategy. We're going to get into now a few kind of current events and we'll end with questions. We've just over half Sounds an hour good. left. So the first thing that I wanted to talk about, and a lot of these are very quickly kind of, let, let's just glance over them and mention them. There was a bit of a debacle about the Circle Bruges and the Beer Shot game. So it got called off after, I think it was about 50 minutes or something. Um, I had Diddy on in goal. So I was kind of heartbroken over this. It got called off due to weather. Now, it's rescheduled to be played. Is it today? It's within this game week anyway, the midweek game week. We're recording this yeah, on Tuesday the 27th. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, but the issue was that there was only like, I don't know. I know there's a number there. It doesn't matter. 30, 40 minutes of the game left to play. And that's all they're going to play. So the issue for So Rare was that the game wasn't completed within the deadline. So the score wasn't counted. It was essentially a DMP for last weekend's game week. But they weren't going to put it in this game week's week because they don't want to give people 30 minutes worth of data or like 30 minutes worth of scores. And they don't want people sticking in players that they already know have a 60 coming, a guaranteed 60 coming. So they can't just count the 90 minutes. So it's an awkward one. Um, and obviously I'm a bit biased because I did it on but I was kind of hoping that there would be some like he's playing a game within this game week he is finishing a game within this game week even if they only count to 20-30 minutes worth of data like when I'm putting in a DMP goalkeeper it might have been nice to have 20 points you know but I get it so it's it's one of those I think it's very tough there was a bit of displeasure against So Rare because it took them a while to come out up with an answer on how they were going to do it, mm. but they did announce it. They pushed that a push push notification on so rare. I don't know if they sent an email, but it was an announcement on on Discord. It was probably on their Twitter. I do think they got the news out there. 
Um, but they were basically waiting on Opta. It was one of those things, their hands were kind of tied and waiting, but people were getting very mm. frustrated at the lack of communications for a while. Yeah, look, I think it's, it's a really, it is a really difficult one. I think it's a difficult one for the players, difficult one for Soraya. I, I do think we need to give them the benefit of the doubt in that, you know, this is not a situation that's going to be happening every game week. It's probably, at worst, it's going to be happening once or twice a season, I would have thought, at most. Um, mm. You know, and they probably, they've probably taken their time because they want to get it right. You know, and I think I think we have to respect that. No, I, I, the way I look at it, you know, and I know, and obviously I'm I'm neutral. I don't have any. It's not I'm not affected by it. Um, but I think they've they've also got to ensure that the game week finishes when the game week finishes, right? You don't want me or you, for example, waiting an extra two days for a prize, for example. Mm. Uh, the, the reasons that you suggested about you know guaranteed scores if it's rolled into this game week, I think you just have to look at it as a game. Whether it played one not minutes, one minutes or sixty minutes, if it got postponed, it got postponed. It's no different to those folks that had into Miami a couple of weeks ago. I think it was into Miami or Orlando, sorry. That the game got called off for bad weather, uh, you know, in the, in the hour before the game. Yeah. I know it's frustrating because you can more visualize it because you can see your scores and see what that might have done. But reality is the outcome's actually the same. The game didn't finish. The game or the game didn't take place. And I think for the, the overall integrity of the game it's the right decision as much as it frustrates individuals at the same time. And I, I, you know, I think I would be frustrated if I had had a player in there, but I would still probably have agreed with the decision. Yeah, look, I'm like I'm not throwing the toys out of the pram, to be honest with you. I can't actually even fail a team this game week if I did have mm. points from Diddy on, right? <laughs> uh, but I think the, the annoyance for people is that they've essentially lost that fixture. Now, if that was Bruges against, I don't know, pick the worst team, a newly promoted team in the Jupiter League, like, and that was that game was called off, like that is a huge, and you have a stack from that team, that is a huge opportunity in your season, and mm. like I get it not being counted towards that game week, but surely it should count towards another game week. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you just lose the fixture and take the kick in the teeth. It'll swing in roundabouts, and someone else will lose out next time. I get that. It's just a bit of a ball ache when you lose a great fixture for. a a team and a player but anyway ugh, of course I, I mean it's but it's what it's one game you know what a 40 game season in for, yeah, for yeah. that team um you know the, one week you could be you could you could feel i don't know uh a bruce stack they play on the friday night and all the games get cancelled on saturday because of bad weather or something yeah, happening, yeah. right and then you're yeah. the one sitting there with a five team stack getting the first place even though even with 150 points you know it's just that's just the, thing, the way yeah. it goes. What, like, that, that happens in D1, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> that sounds like exactly. a D1 winning score. <laughs> um, so, look, that's enough on that. Um, I think it's hard to be annoyed at so rare because, you know, they were just waiting on Opta. There was nothing they could do. I think they communicated it well when they had something to communicate. But I understand, like, I was getting a bit frustrated because I was hoping to loan out my Diddy on. Um, mm. And obviously, I didn't really know if that was going to be an option. But... We'll move on. Uh, the new scaling solution is live. I'm just going to read out mm-hmm. what they've announced. We're not going to go too much. I've, I've watched and listened to a few things now, and it's very tech heavy, way over my head. I'm not qualified for that. So we're going to brush over the, the sort of basics. Direct offers and trades will happen much faster, which is brilliant. It'll allow flipping. It'll allow trading before deadlines. It'll allow, I think it could really ignite the market in terms of just opportunists and people trying to buy and sell. And, you know, like, very easily, like with this sort of thing, people could come in and if they see a player who has five cards sitting around 0.2 and if there's two cards sitting around 1.4, they could come in and buy the two at 1.4 list for 1.9 and try and like, you know, not manip- manipulate the market's wrong. They could try and play the market a bit. I think it really opens the door for trading 
Um, it was it's essential for trading, really. Card transfers after purchases on the new signings and transfer market will be immediate, which again further sort of yeah that that literally just supports what I just said. Fast deposits through ramp and no gas fees is great. And most importantly, this will help us to scale and get ready for millions of football fans. It opens the door for a new scarcity, which we are delighted to announce will be one of a thousand. So they've confirmed, and this is the big thing I want to talk about here, yeah. all the rest, that is what it is. They've confirmed one of a thousand. What was your gut feel when you seen that? The, the one of a thousand? I mean, I think we've, um, we felt this was coming, right? We, we knew there was mm-hmm. a new scarcity in the pipeline. Like, I, I think if, if Sarah is going to grow, to where they want it to, where we all want it to go to, it needs to happen. Um, mm. The key will be how it's integrated into the, the marketplace. Um, my view is it, it feels like it's almost going to be a, a separate game, but with stepping stones into what we've got right now. Because I think the, the most important thing, and Torreira will be well aware of this, is ensuring that it doesn't affect the existing ecosystem pricing at least, at least, not significantly negatively in a negative way, you know. And I think, I, I think they'll mm. be very cognizant of that. So, you know, I think it's um, it's needed, and it was always going to happen at some point. And we'll just need to see how they okay. plan to to deploy that. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think it's very ambitious, and I, I love that. Like, I think if people, this is the thing with this, and this is the thing with a lot of, a lot of their announcements. Um, if people are here for the long run and people are genuinely here and invested in the product and love it, which I'm not saying everyone has to be. There's a lot of people who come in to try and make a quick buck. There's a lot of people who come in for their free card, might try a bit of trading and fuck off. And that is 100% fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But for anyone like I know me, who is balls deep invested in this, the podcast, the YouTube, everything else, and I'm going at this and I'm putting money in and I really believe in the vision. I love the ambition of the one of a thousand because it supports everything they say. It supports everything they dream of and it supports what they're aiming for. If that was one of 500 because it didn't want to affect the market at the moment, I don't know. It's safe, but it maybe lacks ambition. Do you know what I mean? Whereas Mm -hmm. this, while if you're here and you're worried about what your cards will be worth in one month's time, two months time, maybe you're saying oh my God, there's going to be tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of cards flooding the market, millions of cards flooding the market. We're fucked, the rares are going to go down. Maybe in the short term, a few people want to just kind of get rid of the rares and go down and play at a lower budget, and that's fine. But I think long term, all this does is opens the door, lower barrier to entry, more people come in, more people want rares, rares fly up in price. Yeah. Like, it's like anything, if we, if we get to a stage where there's mil- a million users, if there's millions of users, Mm-hmm. There's fucking 500,000 users, right? And there's a one of a hundred card. I, we don't, People don't realise now, like, you look at these fucking crypto punk things and pictures of apes and bananas and cats going for tens, hundreds of thousands, millions probably, people artwork and stuff. Mm. Like, it, it is very feasible. And I'm not trying to pump, I, I pump the shit out of this, guys, and everyone knows it. I'm just very bullish. I admit it. Look, take what I say with a pinch of salt. Like, there is no reason why a one of ten... Kulisevsky that I have, say, Jonathan David that I have, can't be worth tens of thousands. There is no reason why that can't happen whenever there's millions of people playing a game and only 10, maybe 30 people, maybe 150 over a career can have a certain card and utilize it. Like, I don't know. I just, I love the ambition. One of a thousand for me was amazing news. When I seen it, I was like, go on the boys. Like, I was over the moon. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you on, on, on all of that. You know, I, I'm in this for the long haul. I think. You know, I, I 
um, briefly dallied with uh, with the platform that is only mentioned now in dark corners in hushed tones. Uh, it just it never really made sense to me. I never never um, stuck around with it, and, and and other things came came along. But so rare just makes sense to me. You know, mm. I think it's it's a great community around it. I think the game's incredibly fun to play. Um, I love doing the research. I love trying to scout players, trying to find bargains and, and stuff with it. I think that the team behind it are so open and, and, you know, they get a little bit of criticism sometimes for rolling things out, but I think they get a hell of a lot more right than they do wrong. Mm. And when they do get wrong, they react very quickly to it. So I think we've got a just such a solid base. And I agree with you that you know, if, if we've got, what, 5,000 active users on Serena now, there's a million people that play fantasy Premier League football. So if you can bridge that gap, I mean, geez, where, where, can, where can this really go? Um, and, and I think that scarcity, scarcity is, is perfect. The way I'm looking at these scarcities is like, you know, you can go on to PokerStars, right, and start playing poker. Now, there's a, there's, you can enter a tournament with 3,000 people and pay a pound to enter. And, you know, if you're lucky, you might finish in the top 20 and win something, right? And if you win enough of those, then maybe you can start playing the $5 tournament and the $10 and then the 100,000. Yeah. That's sort of the way I'm looking at this, just because there's 5,000 people playing that $1 tournament. No, not everybody has to progress up further. Nobody, not everybody wants to progress up further. But if there is mm-hmm. a way that, you know, those guys can start playing for, you know, a couple of hundred dollars for setting up a team and that might be all they need and they enjoy it, but there will be 10, 20, 30% of those who will see the ROI of that, see the bigger ROI in Division 4, Division 3, and, you know, uh, we'll want to progress up. And we don't need a million people playing D3 or D2. We mm. want a million people at, at the bottom, and there may be 100,000 playing D4 or so forth, whatever, however the numbers stack up. So I think everyone, I think it's just, I think it's 100% positive. That's basically where, mm. I, where I'm getting at with all of this. No, you're right, yeah. Like, not everyone is going to be able to play D4, D3, and that's what we need to realize. We We are early adopters, and if you have the cash and you're in a, privileged enough position to be able to buy these cards in two years we could literally be wheels do you know what i mean yeah. on this platform because there could be a d10 with as you say two hundred and fifty thousand entrants into d10 with a bunch of common cards or whatever that are hoping for that lottery ticket win but then as you go up yeah. the divisions there's less and less and less um so yeah look yeah, i love look, the ambition it does and it, it, for me it comes down to roi right i mean look at so when i placed in um D3 the other week, picked up that Jackson Malaka. I think he's on the market for around four or 500 euros. I did, did the sums on that, and that particular team cost me 1,600 sterling to put together. So that's like a 25, 28% ROI on that team mm. in one game week. You know, so I'm happy to put money in if I can be delivering every time I sort of pick up a card, I'm delivering a 20% return on what I've put into that team. Then you know that's what that that's the attraction I think that will bring people from people are worried that people will come in on this new scarcity level and not move up. But I don't think we need them all to move up. But there mm. will be a proportion that will see that ROI and move up in the right percentage and the right flow that we want to continue growing the, the broader ecosystem and, well, and value of yeah. cards. With the number of people and the number of cards, the bottom line is everyone won't be able to move up. And because mm. everyone won't be able to move up, when people do want to move up, that's your demand. The supply is the supply. And when mm-hmm. the demand is there, that's when prices are going to go up, or at least we hope they are. So, mm. yeah. Um, okay. So, what was I going to talk about next? I just got a, a notification from somewhere. I was hoping it was like an announcement while we were recording, but it's not. So, yeah, it would have been good. Bug. 
Um, so what was I going to talk about next? It was the Europa Conference League's confirmed. I don't want to dwell on mm. this. Everyone kind of knows it, but just to throw it out there for anyone that missed it. Europa Conference League will be included. Go and check it out. Have a look and see about the tournament structure and potential teams and teams that are confirmed, etc. Um, could be some opportunities there. And just something that I wanted to bring to everyone's attention. And I know that like 80% of people listening are probably aware this is in the future pipeline for so rare. But I watched, there was this video, I think it was uh, You'll Never Walk Alone, um, who posted it when I seen it. There was some like tech talk, it appeared uh, to be that Brian O'Higgin, the growth lead, it's so rare. And I think Pierre, who's one of their senior tech guys, they were out having this chat. And I think this is where the one of a thousand scarcity kind of was leaked initially. Um, and then they obviously confirmed it in subsequent comms in the AMA. But basically on that chat, something that was reiterated, or I, I kind of listened to it, and honestly, a lot of it went over my head. But I heard him mention about how, like, I think one of the questions someone asked was about where do you see it going? Well, I forget what the questions one of the crowd asked. I don't even know if I could hear it. But basically... Brian was saying about how it's another revenue stream for clubs. That's why they want on board, you know. Um, and one of the big things is obviously the club gets a percentage of the cards when they're initially sold, but it's that smart contract that every subsequent transaction of that card, the club will get a royalty. So the secondary market will have commission someday. And basically what he said was they aren't doing that at the minute because they're prioritizing liquidity, but there will come a time. Um, it was pretty clear from that video that it, there will come a time. It's not like, oh, maybe down the line. There is going to come a time where the secondary market has a commission. I don't know what the percentage is. I imagine it has to be at least 2 to 5%, something like that would be my speculation, but maybe I'm way off. I'm not, I'm not too experienced in this, but I'm thinking if you're going to be paying a club a royalty out of it, if you're maybe going to be play, paying, I don't know if affiliates would get anything from a, the secondary market, probably not, um, and you're paying yourself. It has to be a couple of percent. And the only reason I wanted to bring that up was just so anyone who wasn't really, didn't really think that was a thing or maybe ever going to be a thing. Now you know it's going to be a thing one day. It could be two months. It could be three years. But just whenever it happens, don't throw the toys out of the pram. We're kind of getting away with it at the minute with no commission on secondary. Do you know, mm. now we're lucky. That's what it probably should be. Um. So, yeah. Yeah, I think, I in, think in, in hindsight, you would... Um... You would be surprised that there isn't commission, right? I think if you actually sat yeah. down and thought about it, you'd be surprised because Sarah doesn't get in, really get anything out of that, as far as I can I can gather. So, yeah, I think it's it's probably natural progression, and I'm sure it's someone like the Premier League that's probably pushing the hard ball if they're looking to roll out a league like that. That you know they need to find other ways to grease those palms to make it happen. Well, like if you think of how much money PSG could potentially make, and maybe it's pittance of them, but I mean for every Mbappe transfer, if they were getting a percent, two percent. I don't know what percent that adds up every Neymar transfer every Donnarumma transfer now for next mm. season or whatever do you know these things will add up so look that's it's not a big talking point it's not a big announcement but it was just something I listened to that caught my ear and I thought like I've heard this rumoured like oh yeah it'll come down the line or whatever maybe it'll come down the line like no it is 100% going to come down the line and the purpose of that is those that smart contract that that second like those those subsequent mm. transactions and, and profits for, for clubs and so rare but anyway look just wanted to throw that out there um right we're going to get into some questions for the next 15 minutes or so um 15 20 minutes and before we do so i just want to basically thank everyone who's left a review there's actually loads of them there they kind of take a while to buffer then i see them so ljb17 thank you celtic lenny i'm not going to actually 
tell you all the names because there's loads I'm just going for the top ones Mort who gave me a good brown nosing thanks Mort uh, <laughs> Airwolf 1984 Toy Dub Holsky 97-97 Doppy and Leave and Simon's 1988 there's another like 10-15 of them there fair play and these are all in the draw for a so rare merch bag at the end of July so when you're hearing this it'll probably be the end of July I'll give it another week or so and then I'll do the draw so yeah go and leave a review on Apple just tell me how amazing I am and it'll help more people find this podcast. You don't even have to. I think you can just click five stars. And you don't have to write something, but the written ones are always better. So thank you and go and do that. Right. Questions. John, are you ready? Far away. So there's a few good ones here. Um, first one, Hendo. I think it was actually the last one, but I kind of copy and pasted them in the reverse order. So Hendo says, I presume stacking might come up again. So just for fun. If you could own any stack of players from any club from the past, who would it be and why? He says Messi and Neymar at Barca would have been unstoppable. I think that's probably one of the ones. I've put in here a little, just kind of, probably not the optimal one, but remember Sturridge, Sterling and Suarez at Liverpool? Mm. Yeah, they probably all would have been forwards, so I don't know how it would have worked, but if you could have had the three of them in a stack, I would have liked that. Uh, I think I would have to go for AC Milan circa 1990. Van Basten, Rijkaard, it down the middle. Frank oh, Brazy at the back. Oh, come on. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. And I mean, even like, I think of like United back in, well, I don't know, was it 08 or 09 or something? When was it like they went to the Champions League final? Ronaldo, yeah. Rooney, Tevez, that sort of crowd. Oh, Do you know? That's scary. <laughs> yeah I don't know I thought that was a nice question but in that mm. question something we haven't actually really talked about was stacking is stacking something you give weight to because I mean I've had a few messages I've been talking about it a lot recently and I think Professor Tecker's convinced me in many ways about it um, I'm not and I, I'm not by any means trying to say it's the only way but I do believe it is the optimal way and I obviously you can win without it and I've won not won but I've podiumed a lot without it but I think you increase your chances of of high scores if you do it do you agree disagree was it a consideration when you rebuilt or yeah what are your thoughts if, if I say stacking to you yeah it's, a, it's an interesting one it's, it's, whenever you say stacking I think of uh, Chicago Fire which always seems to come up on the road wire you know I, I actually started to go down this route in what's now known as uh, PP pre-Pavel um, I had quite a few River Plate guys Um never actually got to field them all together due to covid and season break and yeah. whatever else um conceptually i like it and i think if, when the situation presents itself i will try and stack but i don't go out of my way to do it what i both what, yeah. what i'm trying to do is get my best five into a team but my approach is more along the lines of and again this comes back to the hype and the, and the star players is that the way i'm trying to build my team is that I think there's more than one way to skin a cat. And I also think if everyone's going in with um, a Vela and a, uh, another player, I can't think now, um, you know, if I, I'm, I'm going to be harder to get up the rankings because if I go down with the same similar sort of players in the team. So I like mm. to try and have my teams where there might be a few, not wild cards, but if my player comes up trumps, then it's going to rule out a lot of other players, yeah. I think. So, yeah. No, I hear you. Yeah, I, I think like... Yeah, like the stacking and all is wonderful and people are probably sick of hearing the word. I think myself, I'm even sick of saying stacking because I say it so much and I'm hearing it so much. I just think like the way I am at the minute where I am, I have a lot of cards that are great that make a lot of sense. But I think at the minute now when I'm making new signings, 
I'm thinking, right, right, can I stack? Do you know, is it an option? Does it make sense? And if it doesn't, okay, I'll go to the next option. I'll go and see what happens. But I mean, like, for example, I have, I had Berghaus who got transferred to Ajax and I had Tadic. Mm. So I was thinking, it makes sense for me. They're two forwards to buy a midfielder. Therefore, I have a full Ajax attacking stack. Do you know? Whereas, I, so I bought Davy Klassen. Now, I could have waited and could have not bothered. But I think, like, any week Ajax win 4-0, if those three play, I'm giving myself a huge edge there. Because they're all likely to have 80 plus scores, 75 plus scores. And it made sense. So now what I'm doing is I don't think I'm going buying stacks per se, but I'm I'm kind of looking at whenever I'm building teams, I'm thinking, okay, I'm missing this. Can I buy someone that complements the team already? If not, all right, let's go and buy someone else who has high scores and just hope. Do you know, I'm, I'm not saying it's everything, but I am trying to do it where possible. Do you know? Yeah, no, definitely. Well, I've got two questions back at you on that then. I think... Do you think it's better stacking midfield and forwards or do you think it's better trying to stack goalkeeper and defender? Because I think if you've got a forward in there, more often than not, you need them to get a decisive action unless they're a mess or whatever to, to, to get a good point. But if you've got two forwards like your, your Tadic and Berghaus, how often are they going to score in the same game or assist each other? So yeah, you see, kinda... I think... I think the tough they're they're a tough one because I think like Burkhouse was so good for Feyenoord. I don't think he goes to Ajax without a guarantee guaranteed game time. But at the same mm. time, they have Anthony, they have Neres, they have a million other people who could play. I think Tadic mm. is nailed. But if it becomes evident to me they both play every week, I think you would get quite a lot of games with Ajax where both of them will score or assist. I think there'll be a lot of games where they both have decisives. Do you know? Yeah, you know, and Ajax might be a the worst, uh, not the best example because Ajax, obviously leading team, will score quite frequently. You probably got more chances yeah. than saying having a Columbus Crew. Uh, yeah, I'm stack. not going to stack a Hernvin. I'd even say them are like, mm. you know, a Vitesse forward stack. Mm. I'm not going to be doing that. The only reason I did the Ajax one, it wasn't even by design; it was by chance because of the Burkhouse transfer. I think mm-hmm. for me, the defensive one is where I look at it more, though. Like. Mm. The attacking one with those elite teams that score a million goals, great. And if you, if I had one or two players, like I, I bought a Ronaldo and I actually bought him for collectability. I didn't even buy him for utility, mm-hmm. in, all, in all honesty. I bought him for collectability. Um, but now I'm thinking, I saw La Chiesa a couple of weeks ago. I'm thinking, geez, and I, that kind of bought the Ronaldo. But I'm thinking like, oh, should I be buying? I have a Kulisevsky super rare. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should look at buying another one, another Juventus attacker. But what I'm getting at here is I think it's almost easier like any team, the best defensive team in the world can just get like Liverpool of like seasons gone by have been really good defensively. Then Van Dijk got shafted and they were shit defensively for a while. I think any really good team's defense is a lot more volatile at times than maybe their attacking output. Like I think you could pick three different attackers from three different teams who on any given game week you could almost like the odds are that they'll score or they'll get an, an involvement based on fixtures and whatever else, I think it's easier to pick three different forwards that'll do well than it is to pick two or three defenders that'll do well. So I think stacking the defence is something I'll prioritise. Like having yeah, a, like a defender and a keeper. And if I can stack forwards, I'll do it. And if I can't, I'm not going to like sell up my gallery to make it happen. Hmm. I hope that makes sense. I feel like I kind of butchered that. No, it makes sense to me from what you're saying. Like, I mean, yeah, I, I think I think the real power is yeah, if you can have a goalkeeper and a and a, and a defender from the same team, and if that if they're a pretty solid team, don't concede that often. 
you know, you, you should be if one does well, they should both do well. I mean, mm. I mean, an Ajax an Ajax stack of a goalkeeper defender and one of your forwards would be quite nice because if they have mm. keep a clean sheet and smack four in and you gotta get to hat trick, well, you're three quarters of the way there. <laughs> yeah, for whatever you want to do. Uh, here's a question for you: What do you do if uh, in a lineup if your forwards playing a defender in a game? Do you try and oh, change the team or just? Oh, hundred percent. You change the team. That's the killer. Like <laughs> that is the killer, and that's why I'm thinking almost like if I try to buy a stack <laughs> to to go with those three Ajax lads, it needs to be from like another league, you know? Because mm. any week they're playing Ajax, it's nah. You're not playing them there. Um, you're not playing them <laughs> against Ajax so that is it's like FPL like I try if I'm playing FPL I'll try and I won't have an attacker versus my keeper do you know what I mean unless I absolutely have to I won't have yes. like Harry Kane and also have oh jeez why can't I think of a keeper Mar- Emmy Martinez if Spurs are playing Villa that week because that's just like you're you're reducing your upside aren't you mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, avoid at all costs, really. Not all costs, but avoid if possible, if not just rejig for the week. The bottom line is here, and just to put a, a full stop on this, John, like I, I played a, I played almost a full season of SO5, and I did pretty well in a period, and I won a lot of cards, and I was grinding a lot of ETH by not even considering this. But I think whenever mm-hmm. the Andrews started their podcast and they came in as big DFSers and we're all about this stack and stuff, and now a few more people are about it, and I talked to Professor Tackers, it's now a case of like, I mean, the numbers are there. It adds up. It is the optimal way to play. So I'm going to bear it in mind. I'm not going to like give up everything for it, but I, you have to bear it in mind. I think you do. I think it's a combination, right? If the players fit and they're not, uh, there's not anything that's 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 um, conflicting with each other, and the fixtures look right, then I think it's it's a good route to go. And I think it's very interesting you broke um, Andrew's uh, the podcast there. I think Ladinio has been uh, trying with his stacking all season this week and I, and I may be wrong but I might quickly glance that he didn't stack but he's won global all-stars division four this week with a monster score and that wasn't stacking if I'm if I remember rightly I heard this and I seen that but here's the thing I actually didn't enter d4 this week and I can't check the leaderboard maybe I can somewhere else in some rare data but like congratulations like that's a big yeah, he got 450 <laughs> points or something I mean 450 big, uh, that's like that's monstrous has anyone ever got that's a question to the community. Someone let me know. Has anyone ever scored the perfect 500 plus bonuses? I don't know if anyone's ever done that. And do you know what? I think So Rare should have a jackpot for that. Oh, yeah. I think, I think there should be, be unique. a unique <laughs> or there has to be like a proper jackpot. Because, I mean, how often does it happen? Surely they can run the numbers. Like, mm. there has to be something for someone who gets the 500. Like, anyway. Well, isn't um, it the same with a goalkeeper getting 100? I mean, they've only had two or three in the whole exactly. game. Surely there should be a bonus for that, right? <laughs> yeah, or like a sco- if you score 500 plus, so like you don't have to get perfect 500s or 100s if you have the bonus, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm talking D4 here, but anyway, next question. Bobby Axelrod, new scarcity, what rewards could so rare give for the events these cards will be eligible for? With DNPs, etc. already in existing ones, how long can you go? Can you even offer cards? Would it just be an amount of XP in the progress bar thing? Thoughts, etc. This kind of confused me, right? Because I just don't think... Like, they aren't going to be giving away an abundancy of rare cards. They might have some rare cards up for grabs, but I mean, like, they'll just give out more of those cards. Do you know? Hmm. And some rares, yeah, and maybe a small ETH reward, and then the progress bar. So, like, there's plenty to play for, I think. There. Yeah, I think there is. I think I think there's there's two sizes. Well, I think firstly, from a prize point of view, I, I would imagine that there'll be 
a rare card or two, but maybe those are just for podium finishes, and I think that's fair. But I think also, I think we've been pretty good with what's a rare giveaway, and maybe we're always expecting it to be easy to win mm. prizes when, you know, actually we've probably had it good for quite a while, and I don't think just because you enter a team just shouldn't mean you should win something, no. right? So, you know, I think we perhaps we're, we're all being a bit treated a bit too well up until this point and our expectations a little need realignment a little bit. But I can't imagine there being a huge amount of res in this new scarcity competition, whatever it might be. I think the idea is probably you get progression points because the amount of games you've played, the chance to pick up a rare, you know, and then I think well, if you do win a rare or two, that might convince you to then go look at the market mm. and say, can I pick up two or three others for a a reasonable investment so i think that's the way they're thinking rather than you know picking up lots and lots of rares playing in the common yeah. the, the, whatever they're calling it well compared to where the rewards were four months ago at the end of the european seasons three months ago like quinny talks about this a lot like they, they've made this new dynamic reward structure but it's dynamic based on the number of teams playing on a given week it's not the dynamic depending on the amount of players who enter so mm. i think these next month or two or five six months i don't know and again, I'm kind of stealing this from Quinny because he talked about this to me before. Um, do you know, there is this, we're in this period now where we're going to be able to milk the shit out of rewards. Your chances of winning a reward are pretty good. Like they mm. really are pretty good at the minute. And this new scarcity and the lower barrier to entry, there's going to be a lot of newcomers and the numbers entering are going to go up and it's going to become harder to win again. And maybe they'll revisit the price structure next season. Mm-hmm. But I think for this next month or two, it's a case of like whenever like leagues come back and there's 50, 100 fixtures a week, whatever, it's going to be like, I'm not going to say it's going to be easy to win a card, but I think relative to the last season, it's going to be easy to win a card. And we could really churn out a lot of cards before the users and the competition catches up to the current mm-hmm. reward structure. Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree. I think that, I think there is potentially a, a sweet spot over the next one to two months. And I, and I think if I was talking, or maybe I shouldn't be saying this, but... I think it's worth looking at the number of entrants in a competition and where the prize pool sits. Because like we were talking off off camera, you know, I, I looked at D4 and D3, and I've entered rares, not super rares in either one of those. But I actually worked it out to get a, the, the lowest prize in D3 uh, was fifth or sixth place for a tier two rare. To get the same one in uh, the D4, my chance of winning was 1.67%, but my chance of winning in D3 was nearly 6%. So, okay, I might miss out on that tier three rare, but if my team drops the way I hope, I've got more chance of actually winning the tier two rare, which I'm interested in, in D3 yeah. than I do in D4. So Yeah. Um, no, that that's something that's definitely worth looking at, the, the prize pools each week. A few more questions here. We'll bang out, then we'll play the 137 game and go home. Um, so Harry Hoodnap <laughs> says, which full league, I'm going to answer this one quickly, which full league would you like so rare to introduce next and which player from that league would you love to have in your gallery? Now, I think like it's very easy to go Premier League, er, but like realistically, the full league, I think there's probably better ones than this, but just in a dream scenario, give us all of Germany and give me Haaland. Mm. That's my answer. I don't know, what's yours? Full league and a player. Yeah, okay. Um, I, I find it quite funnily. I saw on the Discord that people were suggesting Guatemala and Vietnam and stuff, and that sort of made me think that it actually would be quite funny if they were like just closed off games independently, like it was just a Guatemala league and you could, yeah, uh, enter just for <laughs> I just think that would be funny because I, I like doing the research trying to find places. Uh, tell league... you what would happen if you pick a league that's like way too low, 
you'd have mm-hmm. the players rigging it so that they concede a million goals and they stack the other team and then they entered into global all-star and win an Mbappe, do you know? Yeah, more than likely, more than likely. Uh, look, I think my answer would be, um, I'd actually love to see the Australian A-League on there. Uh, again, it's something, because I lived in Sydney for nine years, I've watched a lot of the, the standards. I'm not saying it's great, great, but it's improved immensely in the 10 years that I've been following it. Um, there's some belter of games in terms of goals and stuff. And if I was in that league, it's probably getting a little bit now, but I'd have a, a Borussia. Uh, he's scored a ton of goals in A-League. I'd love to pick him up. Otherwise, if if I was looking in Europe, I'd actually just love to start seeing Bundesliga 2 and Segunda 2. Uh, I think there's some interesting teams in those. I think it gives, opens up the utility a little bit on players for, for relegation. Uh, mm. they're, they're watchable. They're, they're, they're shown um, in a lot of places. So... Um, but yeah, I think I'd love to see the Australian league on there. I think it'd be a bit of fun. If you could pick one player, who is it? Uh, what's his name? Uh, Barusha, I think his name is. Um, he's getting on a little bit now, but he's he used to play for Brisbane Roar and under Australia. Uh, he scored a yeah a ton of goals over the years. I think he's a great little player. But you get some good um, good European players coming over there now. Um, you know, Melbourne City, but a few David Villa was there for a while. Um, Jeez, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's yeah. with the City Group connection, so uh, I'm sure Quinny would be all over that with his City Group fascination. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So, uh, two Bob Squirt, two Bob Squirt asked a question that we have answered. Uh, Bradders mm-hmm. FC so rare, and we'll do then Derek's question. We'll wrap up. How do you find timing super rare, super rare card buys? I'm not in that market yet. Playing the patient game, but seems sellers only come out of the woodwork on the back of big form or scores and the subsequent huge price rise. Have either of you found ways around this? Now, self plug time, brothers. I did a video recently on my YouTube about buying super rares, so check that out. I kind of ramble off about how to get super rares and the best way to go about it. Um, so that's my input. If you want to hear it, have you anything to add to that, John? Yeah, look, I think uh, super rares require patience and a little bit of effort. Um, Auctions are, are you generally the best place to look mm. uh, outside of, you know, the big champion Europe or well-known challenger players. You know, if you're, you're willing to monitor that, um, that's where you'll have the best chance of picking up a bargain. I mean, a lot of the super rares on the secondary market, are, in my view, at least highly inflated 10, 15 X their rare price. But that's not but every so often. Um A price for, like, like like my Fontana example before for 0.3, you know, he's been selling much higher than that in the past. I think you just have to watch it. I've kind of got it set now that most days I've got my favorites list of people who I'd want from a super rare perspective. I just jump over on the secondary market, put new listed, mark my favorites, mark super rare. And I'll just look at the anything up to, up to my limit is probably about 0.60 that I'd go to on a super rare at this point. Mm. Um, so I just look for players that sort of fit in that potential that I think either a little bit out of form or they're coming back from an injury or they're just priced too low on, I think, their rare compared to their rares, and I'm I'll, I'll, I'll go that way. You know, I, I know I picked up sort of sixteen relatively quickly to, to a lot of uh, listeners, but there were players I knew when I was already sort of targeting. But um, yeah, I think you just have to watch the market and be ready to pounce when when something comes up. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Patience is ever, and I think that's how I start that video. Um, <laughs> next question, the one to wrap us up, Derek McFionan. I'm going to go for that. Looks like an Irish name. 
I'm Irish. I should be able to say it, but I've never seen that name. Loving the podcast, John. Good man yourself, Derek. Go and leave a review. With newly minted European cards in the way, what's the best strategy for rebuild? Buy cards now, wait and pick up newly minted cards, or try to pick up last season's card at cheaper prices on secondary market when the new season's cards arrive. Um, any thoughts? Uh, I think your strategy was the right one. Buy them about two months ago. Buy um, about two months I, ago. <laughs> I missed that. Um, Look, for me, I'm I'm using, uh, like I think we talked about off camera, I'm using U- U23 as my backdooring to Europe, hopefully getting enough uh, placings that I can pick up some, some, some quality European players that way. For me, I, I, I've got a few that I'm watching in the, in the lower, more speculatively wise that I might pick up. Again, fitting that under 23, less than 0.1 ETH sort of profile. Uh, other than that, I'm quite happy to sit and see what the new card drop does to the prices in a, in a month or so. Mm. I think, I don't know what I think. I actually just don't <laughs> know what I think. <laughs> I think it's a hard one because like God knows what's going to happen to card pricing the next month. It's kind of like, if you're here for the long term, just get them. And what I love yeah. is this whole, like if you're here for the long term, and again, it depends on the player. If they're a semi collectible player, I want the older card and I love when I go into the market and people are pricing the older card younger or younger, mm-hmm. cheaper. I love yeah. that. I want the older card. I want the one that loses the five five percent because I'm gonna I'm gonna build that five percent up over the next six months and then I'm sitting mm-hmm. where I was but with a more collectible card. Um I don't know what was the answer. Like if I if I want a player, I'll just probably go and get them. I think you could sit and try and guess yeah. the micro movements over the next two, three months, but if you're playing a two, three year game like I don't know yeah I'd agree to that and I agree with it and I'd add to that as well I think irrespective of whether you're buying now or when waiting to see what the card prices do I mean who knows I mean by, by the time they drop we may have had the whole Premier League added on or uh, another league and what influence that's going to have there's too many variables to, to um, consider but whatever you do have a strategy for it you know like I've got a list of uh, probably about 10-15 players in each position in Challenge Europe that I'm one that I'm targeting, and I calculate it being you know to pick up a, a squad worth of those was probably going to cost me somewhere between one and two ETH for that. But I made the decision this month to instead of doing going for Challenge Europe now was to go down the super rare route, and that was a decision. Mm-hmm. But my my, uh, my 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 shortlist, my targets are there, um, and if they come into the right price range or I get the budget that I can put into this, it don't matter so much whether it's like you say buying them now or buying them after the new car release it's that's not really the driver for me it's it's where the budget allows and when the when the strategy kicks in Mm. very good well look john we're going to wrap up with the 137 game so last week ross picked vanneken who didn't play and brenner who scored either 65 or 38 i'm not sure which game week we agreed to but bottom line is Ross had a higher. So Tackers is still winning with a score of 131. And you're the last participant before the end of the month of July for this sort of round um, mm-hmm. for the, the So Rare March bundle and the 137 p.m. March. So, yeah, I know that by the time the next week's podcast comes out, maybe even by the time the game week wraps up, will it be August? It might be. It doesn't matter, though. I'm yeah. going to give you the chance. It's either 187 or 188. I'll let you pick um, because we're recording this early in the week. Try and hit 137 points. All right. So uh, what game week are you on now? This is the midweek is 187. The midweek one is 187 and the weekend one coming is 188. 
All right. Um, I'm going to take a I'm going to take a punt on this this the midweek this one eight seven if we can uh, the, this week. Um, and I I'm going to go with an LA FC stack. I've had uh, I've had Rossi uh, since I bought him, which I thought was a great price, but he's had two average scores. So I think he's due a good good score. So Rossi's one, and I'm just trying to decide whether to stick him with the inform man of Sifu, which might actually push me beyond the 137, or or Marco Farfan at the back. I think I'll go with Marco Farfan. So a good score from Rossi and a moderate score from Farfan to get me close to that that, that score. Well, look, good luck. You've won 32. You just need to get 132 and you beat the 131. Um, so good luck with that. Um, John, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, do you have anything you want to plug before we wrap this up? Um, no, firstly, well, likewise, and, and thanks for having me on. It's been, been, I've really enjoyed listening and it's even, even greater to be on here. I hope uh, uh, the, the listeners enjoy it. Um, yeah, look, if anyone wants to, to get in touch, um, my name on the Discord's Predictology, um, which is the, the same name as the website that I run. Uh, Predictology, it's a football uh, betting data and anal- analytical platform. Um, you know, if anyone is interested in checking that out, um, I've created a, a so far so rare coupon code. So just enter that in and get 10% off. Um, but feel free to hit me up through the site or through Discord, whether it's to talk about predictology or, or so rare. I'd love to hear from you and, and, and engage. Good stuff. Well, look, good luck with the rebuild. I know you're there, kind of there now, but I hope it, it continues to reap rewards. And uh, hopefully Thank I'll you. talk to you again down the line. Hey, I'd love that. It'd be great. Thanks, John. Good man. Cheers. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed that podcast as much as I did. Big thanks to John. And you can let me know on Twitter exactly what you would do if you had a big ETH balance to build a gallery. So if you sold everything and had to start again, what would you do? Make sure you leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. And yeah, look, hopefully we'll hear from you next week.